welcome to this episode of Minted. We are honored to have Lucia Gallardo, innovator, entrepreneur, CEO of Emerge, uh, leading impact in design and development lab. Um, she's the co-founder of Eternals, which will dive into this amazing one-of-a-kind NFT project that's going to change the space. She's also an MIT innovator under 35. There, there is a gauntlet of things that Lucia does. Lucia, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm honestly so excited to be here. Like all of our, you know, conversations up until now have just been, I don't know, really exciting, special. Um, so I'm just thrilled to be here and I can't wait to dig in. Well, let's dive into NFTs. When was the first time you actually learned about NFTs? Oh man, um, I think it was 2000. I don't know. Time is so fluid. When you become nomadic and you become a builder, I feel like there's no sense of time. Like I feel like I got into blockchain in 2016 and then into NFTs maybe. I think the first collection that really got my attention in a way that would that made me think twice about them and not just consider them like another tool within within the crypto space was the like the first BAYC collection. I think that that was specifically because it was a mix of like what was being minted and then converted into some kind of utility. Yeah. Um, and that was what was interesting to me because it wasn't just about owning the actual, you know, PFP. It was also about the fact that like, you now needed that PFP to access like special events or, or community stuff and things like that. And that was the first time I had actually, you know, stopped and said like, ooh, maybe I should read up on this because it seems like there's utility in there in a different, in like a community oriented way. Um, and as someone that's like deeply passionate about inclusion and about like dem democratizing this technology to new, new spaces and new communities, that to me was very appealing. So I would say like that particular turning point in the BAYC history was to me, um, like a moment in time that started triggering some questions. And those questions ultimately led to the Eternals and to all of my work within the NFT sector. Yeah, I, I think the Board at Yacht Club, like that was a lot of people's first, like, cause you yeah. would see these big influential people post on social. You're like, what is this image? I remember it probably took me two months of seeing it and being like, this doesn't make sense. Like, this is just so weird. <laughs> like, why are people doing this? And then you start seeing the value shooting up. Okay, yeah, so you- we're kind of like, this is, this, this is has, this is pure crypto culture. Like, of course they're putting these, these up, you know? But, uh, but no, for me, the, the interesting bit was like that turning point and saying like, hey, you're using this as like, like a ticket to get into this event. And you're using this as like a members club, you know, to be part of this club. And then, you know, you're using this as a profile picture too. And like, you know, it's humorous and it's whatever. And so I just thought it, it was interesting that it was like a community oriented mechanism now. And that changed my degree of interest in NFTs. I had like heard about them vaguely and like sort of seen a couple before that, but I think my interest in it really was that, that turning point. Did you start buying then after that? So you, obviously you had some crypto since you've been aware of blockchain, I guess for a year or so, like, did you start buying immediately then? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So uh, what, like what projects were you going after? No, everybody keeps trying to get at what's in my wallet. <laughs> um, the only, the, I've made very few pieces, uh, like, you know, I've doxed myself on certain pieces. Uh, the other day I was laughing because I actually have bought like pieces I'm emotionally attached to. So I try to support specific artists, up and coming artists. Uh, I tried to go like regional diversity. There's a couple of artists I'm a big fan of. Uh, Nagar's this photographer that has this like grayscale applied to the way that she sees um, like humanity that I just think is very beautiful. Um, Leona Lu is like, to me, uh, an incredible artist. And also she uses some of the proceeds of her work to, um, and I think her day job is related to like uh, working with refugees in uh, Eritrea. Um, I really love, um, Sam J, I think has like some pieces and they're, uh, I think they're one of the few like drag artists in the sector at the moment. So I'm uh, a big fan of theirs. Um, Derek Boten is releasing his first NFT collection. I'll be a buyer for that. Um, so I tried to support like artists specifically um, more so than like uh, wider scale collections. But the other day I was on a, on a WhatsApp call with one of the community managers at the Eternals and she's a, a total DGen. Um, and so she's like, 
I'm about to buy a motherfucker tick, like buy a motherfucker tick. And I, that's very like out there for me because I don't really go into those kinds of projects. I stick to like the ones that I just have a connection to either the artist or the piece itself. Um, and I ended up buying one. And so I like talked to myself on that one because it was so out of character. I was like, yeah, okay, I've officially gone full degenerate. Like this is peak <laughs> the peak moment in my NFT purchasing history. And it had made zero sense with the rest of my collection. Yeah, that's so that's so fascinating because I've spent a lot of my career, in air quotes, career in NFTs <clears throat> around those like profile picture projects. Like I got started yeah. off with the Magic Mushroom Clubhouse, which was like one of the first uh, NFT projects to have a DAO. And then they had like the elder shrooms that were like uh, the, the next generation. And so the like yeah. all the DGENs, the people that are like looking to flip NFTs and a lot of the profile pictures, like that's the yeah. world that I grew up in in NFTs. Yeah. And it sounds like you grew into the world of NFTs through like artists and community and like uh, mission and vision driven projects. How, how do you, how did you even find those projects then? How did you even know where to look? I mean, I'm really intentional about it, right? The thing is I love art. Like it's not even like, you know, physical art or traditional art as we're now like starting to refer to it, which I find insane. Um, but I love art. Um, I'm a particular fan of the abstract expressionist movement. Um, because of it's like essentially the fact that two people can be looking at something and see completely different things to me makes art quite fascinating. So it, it wasn't it wasn't coming from like a hey NFTs and therefore I'm into art. It kind of came from like I do have a background in like hunting down paintings at museums. Like if I go to a new city, I'll search for particular artists. And if they have a painting in the city, I'll probably end up at that museum. So I really um, have an appreciation for the like philosophy of an artist and the vision of an artist and the message that they're trying to convey. And so I think like for me, it was really just curiosity at like, okay, well, what type of art is existing within the NFT sector and like specifically hunting it. Um, and then I have like a couple friends that just like, they had friends that, that were uh, artists or that knew artists. And then uh, that like Leona was a, a referral from one of my good friends who, you know, is completely immersed in the DAO and NFT sector. So he's like, you have to check this artist out. And then uh, the creative director for the Eternals also, uh, she would like send me uh, Instagram pictures of like artists she thought I would like. And so I think people just have come to recognize that, uh, that that's, uh, that that's like what I, what I'm looking for in is like artists that have something to say that, you know, want to express their art that maybe wouldn't have been in the crypto community before, but suddenly found themselves empowered to monetize their art. Um, and so those to me are like the interesting stories, but I'm a person, I'm a very big, uh, like deep dive person, right? So if I am interested in a particular aspect of this, seg uh, this sector, then like, I just go hard and I spend a lot of time looking at, um, everything I can like I try learning everything about the tech stack about the uh about the artists about the community building what are the elements that make an nft project successful like I just go like I go down a rabbit hole and I just want to know everything about it so I'm very intentional about where I look for artists and I'm very intentional about who I follow um and so yeah except for this like one exception which is like I was very you know don't get me wrong like I thought it was really funny that I ended up buying a motherfucking chick but I'm happy to support that project uh I think you know I want more women in this sector and I want an acknowledgement that like PFPs should include more range and diversity and uh, the aesthetic of what they represent. So I was, uh, hilariously, I'm like probably the most anti-cigarette person on the planet. Like I used to pull cigarettes from my parents' mouth when they used to smoke and I used to break them in half right in front of them. And it used to drive me crazy. Like I hate cigarettes. My motherfucker chick is smoking and her skin is gray. And so I'm like, basically, like the second I announced it on Twitter that I had bought it, I was like, but also don't smoke. Her skin's so ashy. Like the oh fact she won't put on a cigarette. Well, your passion and your drive is so transparent. And I think you've been able to see like the the use of NFTs as utility, as well as from an art perspective of allowing an artist to monetize their career, allow an artist to give their messaging through NFTs yeah. as well as physical. And I think that some art that people don't, when they don't understand NFTs, you know, going to traditional art, you know, you buy a painting for the back of my office. What's the difference mm -hmm. of buying a, a digital painting that I could use on my mm -hmm. socials as part of a digital brand, as part of 
something in the metaverse, you know, that's where I think it starts to stretch. So like, let's dive in, you know, to the eternal. So you've, you've dove, you dove really deep into all these different artists and projects and we'll, we'll get into emerge and talk about, you know, all the amazing stuff you're building there, but then you're like, okay, like I need to now build my own project. You know, how did this, how did this come to life? Um, you know, what happened was that I was looking, at these like PFP bull runs and honestly there are some that I just love I think they're humorous or you know whatever it's like there are some that are really cool um but there are some that I was like looking at and I'm like really people are paying how much ETH for this like <laughs> what and so it became like a really interesting uh moment in time for me because I was just torn about like what are what what the hell are we doing here you know and it, in good ways and in bad ways like it was just you know a moment of like self like reflection on the state of nfts at that that point and so at that point i started just like thinking about a few questions that i had um and i didn't know at the time that like my co-founder sean he had the same questions in his mind um but you know i'll get to that. I, I started out thinking about you know NFTs have sort of demonstrated that they could be anything. And really, you they could be anything. And like some of it, I didn't like particularly, it wasn't my style, but hey, you know, to each their own. But like they could be anything. And the question I had was like, can they be everything? And the BA, the BAYC turning point was a trigger for that, right? Because it's like, okay, well, it could be, you know, a humorous PFP and it could be uh, a utility as like a community membership and, and like event ticket token, right? And so I was like, okay, well, cool. So what are the possibilities in terms of you know what you can do with an nft can it be artful can it be collectible can it be a utility can it be uh you know gamified can it be an, an interactive can it be like what else right and uh a way to measure some type of engagement what else can it be and so can they be everything the second question was like can they essentially evolve the more like that you give it right so if you are feeding it different data streams, if you're engaging with it, if you're nurturing it, like, can that create a way for the NFT to like reflect that back to you? Um, and I thought that would be particularly interesting because then the possibilities of how you could take this commercially and also how you could take this through an, an art express artistic expression were like awesome. Um, and then the third question, which is obviously very important to me in my history as a, I don't know, as a human being, to be frank, um, is that I'm very passionate about the impact sector. And so, you know, to me, I look at every single tool within the blockchain space and I'm like, where's the potential here to not just have like impact as an as a, an outcome, a desired outcome of the project. So it wasn't about creating a collection that would donate X percentage of the profits back to a cause, right? Which we do. So there's like, I'm, a, I'm super proud that lots of projects in the NFT space do that. Um, but my question and my like intellectual curiosity was like piqued by this idea that like, can impact actually become an embedded component in the utility of the token? So that actually the reason why you're buying this is also because of its impact in a way where you know that you're going to get a return or possibly get a return making impact an investable asset class for maybe the first time ever right because a lot of the tools by which we're trying to make impact investable are like these like social impact bonds and things like that and they haven't really taken off and in our own sector which is interesting to me is that like you know and i think we were talking about this yesterday where like a lot of web 3.0 looks like web 2.0 like a little too close for my comfort level and so you know is there a way whereby a impact could become an investable asset class and and, and a core component of this nft and then by the same token can this like this new economic instrument be like reimagined in a way where like you have more sovereignty over the value of your asset so you know right now we have this like narrative in the space when, and we tell everyone that joins the NFT space, which is like the market sets the price, right? And we've got like obsession with price floors and so on and so forth, but it's all like market dynamics. And you as an individual contribute to these market dynamics, but you don't really feel your impact footprint in that, right? Like, like it just kind of becomes like the market. It's a very big thing. And we were trying to, you know, I, the question in my mind was like, how do we inject freedom into this, into this economic instrument, right? So with the idea that like an NFT could evolve and metamorphosize depending on what you gave it and what you nurtured it with, and then that would trigger like some kind of evolution in it, it then at that point you could directly influence the resale value of your own asset, right? Because you could make 
that trigger happen, that would change the value of the asset. And therefore your individual person has a direct influence on the value of your own asset in secondary sales. And that to me was quite fascinating because it was like saying, you know, we've been talking about how web 3.0 is like the ultimate decentralization of economics. Well, like, okay, let's like, let's put that to the test and see how much we can inject into this like tool that everybody seems to be obsessed with right now. So those were the questions that like were super, you know, interesting to me in that moment. And then I was at this like very low key uh, event post uh, Bitcoin Miami uh, last year. And I'm having this conversation with a person who's like a very well-known NFT collector in, and especially in the like uh, luxury art space. And so I'm talking to him about where I see NFTs going and I'm going through these questions with him and he like stops me and he's like one second. And then he walks over and brings Sean over. And I had been in WhatsApp groups with Sean a fair bit. Like we, you know, orbited the same spheres, but we had never had a direct conversation with each other. We'd never met in person. And so, you know, my, our friend is like, you two need to speak. And he's, uh, so I asked Sean, you know, like what he's doing in the NFT space and like what he's thinking about. And then he starts talking and I just burst out laughing for like three minutes. And it was the most uncomfortable thing ever for him because he's like, did I just say something really stupid? Like what, you know, like, what is it? Um, but I just laughed and laughed and laughed. And then at one point this like mutual friend, other mutual friend of ours walked by and I grabbed her and I'm like, did you just hear what he said? And then she started laughing too. And he's just sitting there like, I have zero context for this. Um, eventually uh, I, I like caught my breath and I said, uh, like, you don't know what I do. I do exactly what you're describing is exactly what I do. And also it's exactly the way I see NFTs moving in, in the future. And so it was inevitable that we would try to create some experiment um, to test this, this like hypothesis that NFTs could be multidimensional and they could be metamorphic and they could be a regenerative asset class in some way. And so the Eternals kind of came to be because we just wanted to prove this thesis. And then it grew into like a 28 person team that is like completely obsessed with the project, the mission, and they're just putting like their whole heart into it. And I'm super proud of the outcome of it. And I just can't wait to put it out into the world. So, you know, but that's the origin story. <laughs> that, so there's a lot to decouple there. But I, so I think Zoom super high level, you know, so the, the NFT project, the Eternals, which you can join in Discord, we'll get the links and all that after the show. This project was founded from your curiosity of saying, why are NFTs operating the way they are? Why, why aren't they different? Why is this too similar to traditional web two worlds? And why, like, why can't we do these things? And then your curiosity led you to find other people that were asking those same questions. And by putting yourself at a conference, talking to someone and meeting a new stranger for the first time, you were able to then build a company. And I think that's so important that so many people are like, I don't know where to start. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how I'm going to build this. And it's just like putting yourself out there and just searching and just asking and talking and networking and learning and then rinsing and repeating that cycle. And then all of a sudden it's like, boom, okay, you're at an event. You just met Sean. Now you're like, wow, you're laughing because he agrees so much with what you're trying to build. You're like, all right, now we're going to tackle this. I want to dive into to that piece. And I want to also talk about you being a nomad. We need to get to that as well. Of, of like, okay, you, you both agree. Wow. We have the same mindset. Like yeah. how do you actually kick this off? Like, is it discord channels? Is it, you know, yeah. finding artists that you already know? Like, how do you actually then take that thought of, okay, now we're going to do this and let's really execute this. What's that zero to one look like? Yeah. I mean, I think it was the question was, was like what are we trying to achieve so actually it started out with just like a whole lot of phone calls between sean and i um and it was like you know what is it that we that we want out of this collection can they be metamorphic what what does that even mean like you know um and and i think the first bit of it was like locking down what the premise of the project was going to be so one we wanted to prove it would be multi-dimensional so what were the dimensions we wanted to explore we definitely wanted it to be artful um, we definitely wanted it to be gamified and we definitely wanted it to be impactful. Those were the first three criteria that we landed at. And so on the art side, we were like, we need introductions. So we tapped into like all our friends that were plugged into the space. And then we were introduced to a, a couple of different artists. We have a, a small team of three and uh, Jesse 
uh, they lead our like create like the art vision for the project. We were um, Sean uh, had met this uh, person in New York that was interested from a creative direction perspective. She was she had worked in sustainable fashion. She had uh, you know this like really great interest in impact and art, which we thought was amazing. Um, but had never ever ever even purchased a like any token any any kind of token not a non-fungible one like any kind of token she had never entered the blockchain space but she was really keen to learn so we were like okay creative direction artistic artistry um are coming together and then we like complemented that piece so we hunted down people that were like within that realm we needed you know um gamification so we were like okay we're looking for like different types of teams that might be interested in, in like building a game around this like who could that be we ended up finding this company amazing company called mad bricks in colombia and they were like you know we've been putting out games forever but we haven't exactly built anything for uh for the blockchain space and now they're all up in it like they're just you know this was like it, it really triggered something special in that company as well and i have a very fun story about them when we get into the gamified elements i'll tell you um that that was one of my favorite moments in the entire project history um and then the uh for the impact part obviously like my connections there were quite helpful but i had been sitting on the board of rainforest partnership for about two years and it was really like i was inducted as the youngest board member in, in i think in their history and the reason was that they wanted like to reimagine how NGOs operate, right? They're like, we need to rethink like what kinds of projects we take on and how innovatively we can do them, how resource efficient we can do them, how we think about financing and, and like viability in the long run and this reliance on donations in such a saturated space. There's so many climate related NGOs, like how do you pick one? And like, what are the odds that that one will be Rainforest Partnership? And so they were like, you know, we need to think about this. So, you know, uh, Colby, Colburn Bell from the Museum of Crypto Art had been uh, talking to them about crypto. And then he brought me in and introduced me to the executive director. And we had a three hour phone call. And after that one phone call, she's like, you're going to be on our board of directors and I won't take no for an answer. Um, and so, uh, so then we were working on like getting uh, them set up to take crypto donations. So they currently take crypto donations through coin payments and through giving block. And then they were interested in like data traceability projects. And they were, and then as soon as like NFTs were becoming thing I was like I know exactly what organization would be open-minded about saying like we're going to experiment with how you know your work can be funded through this mechanism and so 55 percent of the collections profits go to uh you know go to rainforest partnership to continue the work that they do which is incredible to be honest uh they have been protecting over 1,400,000 acres of rainforest in the deep amazon tropical andes in latin america um, and they've been doing this work through uh, partnerships with nine indigenous communities and local communities across the places that they work with. Um, so they're a really spectacular uh, organization. They are also the co-founders of World Rainforest Day. So they've done a lot of like global engagement work. So it's an exciting organization. They were open to innovation, open to, to blockchain. And they kind of like, as soon as we told them about the project, they were like, yes, like what, like let's dig into this. And they've taken so much time and care to learn about what NFTs are, what their potential value is, uh, you know, how they work and what, like how they fit into this grander conversation about NFTs and, and what they could be in the future. Wow, yeah. So you find an organization that you want to have the impact of this project go yeah. to. So, so you have the reinforce, you, you know you're going to solve that. You have the artist, you have the creative, you're then... And we're the tech it. talent. You're the one. <laughs> so we're the tech. We're the tech. So we can yeah. do the we can do the minting. We can do the we needed to there was some experimentation with state change that required like custom build and it was like a challenge for sure. Um but yeah, so between like the tech team plus the creative team plus the gamification team plus the impact component, we had like the first version of our team and all of the elements that needed to come together. Um and like honestly it was again like so fortunate that everyone really embraced the like the experiment um and the mission and the reason why we were doing this experiment and so that was the first so we had a couple of calls to like all together and we were like uh okay what does this need to look like and uh and at that point like creative took off everyone took off in their own direction to just sort of like bring you know their vision of what how they want they saw certain elements like that they were responsible for on the project and and then we collectively like adjusted that or gave feedback or and this is where that like gamification 
uh, story becomes really fascinating because because we were so committed to the vision of Rainforest Partnership and the fact that they worked with indigenous and local communities, we had to adopt that the way they view the rainforest. And they view the rainforest as a public good. It's a public utility that everyone collectively owns. And that's true because no matter where you are in the world, every like it's guaranteed that at least every seventh breath you take is directly enabled by the Amazon rainforest. So it's you know important to everyone and it belongs to everyone. So they, even though they steward you know, 1,400,000 acres of, of rainforest land, like they don't own it. They don't view it that way at all. And so we had, you know, initially talked about like, well, can your, your NFT be connected to like a specific plot of rainforest? Um, and then that to us was a non-starter because we didn't want people to buy this NFT and then think that for some reason they owned or rented or sponsored or like in some way could consume or extract what is a public good. So we immediately said like, that's veto. Like we, there's no connection between your plot and you thinking that you own the rainforest because of it. We all collectively are responsible for guarding the rainforest, but you don't own any bit of it. And so we were very, like very strict about that because we really respected the vision um, and a lot of our early research focused on like who are these communities and like what do they believe in and how do they go about caring for the rainforest and we wanted to really be true we wanted the whole project to be true to like that philosophy so we specifically you know talked about that with the uh, creative team so the brief was kind of like you know we want it to be true to what is in the areas that rainforest partnership operates in like what is the flora that is there um, we wanted it to be true to science, but we wanted to add a fantastical element to it. We wanted it to feel ethereal. We wanted it to feel like mysterious. And we wanted you to be like drawn in so that when you experience the piece for the first time and every time after that, you want to like almost walk into it. And so it needed to have like some degree of like almost like darkness and like fog and like something ethereal illumination, like little hints of avatar like you know just like to draw you in in some kind of like magical realism meets very accurate science and that was the, the brief for the gaming team they were so excited about this project and they came to this meeting this first meeting and they had such you know they were so enthusiastic about this idea and they were describing this like adventure game where you're a guardian of the forest and you're like going through the forest and you're protecting it and you're like accumulating things and then like exchanging them and you're like using them to continue guarding the rainforest and they're like three minutes five minutes into this pitch and we're like nope 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 veto <laughs> veto <laughs> and so we cut them off immediately and we were like no because the the whole premise of this is you can't resource manage you can't consume and you can't extract because the value of this project, the principle, the first principles of this project are like, we do not consume or extract from the rainforest. You nurture, you guard, you protect, but you do not consume or extract. You can't pull resources from it. And so they're like stumped because obviously like every video game narrative ever is basically adventure oriented accumulation of resources and SWAT and exchanges. And like, that's every narrative. So they're like, everything we've been doing um, is like, you know, in the gaming space has generally had an adventure element and a resource accumulation and trade element. So like where we have to go back to this drawing board, what the hell are we going to do? And so anyway, they go and like rethink the whole thing and they come back second time around and they come up with this like meditative, peaceful, super soulful, incredibly like, you know, protective view on how to gamify this. And that's the game that we have today. But like they went back to the drawing board and just like completely rethought the first principles within which they were designing this game. And the result is honestly something that's like, I'm so proud of that game. It's honestly, it's really like soothing to play it. It's very relaxing. Um, and it just allows you to like explore the different, uh, different nature that's like, that could be in your plot. And then it allows you to just like, guard the rainforest in your own way and if you turn the sound on it's just like super healing and meditative like literally um our one of our community managers she plays rainforest sounds all day on our discord so you can just like hop on and play the sounds and just like work to them so she works to them and then i relax to them and so i just think that's really funny that we both use them for different reasons but like the you know the eternals is intended which we haven't even like you know it's a ten thousand 
NFT collection. Uh, they're all, you know, unique in, in different traits and rarities. Um, but I think like the key component of the game is that like it reflects the soul of the project and the values of the project. And we got there by just like having everyone on the team be really committed to that vision. So, you know, how do you, if you're, you know, just starting or you're trying to be a builder in the space, like if you have like the underlying premise of like, what is this collection trying to achieve? What is it trying to do? What are the first principles of this collection? Then like guiding the team through that, it like you just stick to that, right? Because maintaining the integrity of the first principles of your collection is really what ultimately is going to force people to rethink the way they do things, to imagine like a creative way to do it, to fulfill that brief. And what you end up with is generally like, you know, an artistic vision that you just couldn't be more proud of. So that's sort of, you stick true to the man, the original mandate and like to the first principles of what you're trying to achieve. It's so at DoorDash, when we were early on launching and we were literally number four, Postmates was bigger than us. Everything was first, like everything back to first principles. And it's just, it, it that's where I think the beautiful blend of like Web 2 to Web 3 of like the core business foundations of like building and scaling, having a, a mission and vision, and then aligning the team to that. And then ensuring that as you're building and scaling your business, you're not compromising uh, any of your first principles and, you know, telling the, the team that game is not that does not align with our vision. Go back and rebuild it. It's awesome. I want to dive into like the business side. Like you have 28 people working on this, like NFT projects, they don't make money until the mint. And then obviously there's royalties afterwards and you're donating 55%. You know, we need to talk a little bit about a merge. Like you're running a, a massive team. Like are people just doing this on goodwill? Like, is there like the faith of when this mints, you'll get money at some point? Like, how do you rally so many people around a mission and vision, knowing that like the revenue or the personal income could be delayed, could be very small. This could just be you donating your time because this yeah. is a passion project. Talk me through the economics. So actually, this is where I think Sean gets a, a, so much of the credit. Like, I think he he brings people together in a really interesting way. Um, you know, he's like a really important driving force in this project. And he brought in, uh, you know, some of our partners that relate to like digital marketing, the, he met the gaming company. Um, so I think like, first of all, like, you know, Sean's been a big like funder of the project as well in terms of like early costs and necessary costs. So that's been really helpful. And then Emerge just decided, you know, where we're going to fit, you know, this uh, in our bottom line, like how we're going to, you know, hours, hours, hours spent on it. Um, it's at some point, like just the math alone was a full-time employment requirement, like, because just figuring out the algorithms, like you're trying to mass produce, like you're building a 10,000 uh, asset collection, except each asset has three iterations of it, right? So you're building 30,000 assets. So you have three artists and 30,000 assets. This collection will never get done if they have to manually do that, right? So we had to figure out a way whereby like we could completely randomize 10,000 unique assets that would turn into 30,000 unique iterations. And so that required like pure algorithmic work. And like our math team has been awesome because like they needed to figure that out. And they're still like, honestly, uh, the other day we kind of had a mini panic attack because um, they like put the script into Blender, which we were using. And then like the, the proportions of like one of the assets like was completely out, outsized. So like the plot was tiny and then this like one tree was like huge. And it was like, I think like 400 times the size. So, you know, we've had some issues. It's not been like smooth sailing, um, but it essentially like, you know, I do definitely uh, pay tribute to Sean on that because he's done a really good job at like team building as well. And like comforting a lot of people and like making sure that we feel like we're all working toward like, yes, like, you know, we might not make a lot of money off it. That's fine. I think at this point, if you listen to any person on the team speak about the project, you realize that like they've really fallen in love a with the mission and the degree of the way that we thought about building this project. It isn't just about like the fact that it's an impact project. It's, you know, yeah, the other day we did a Twitter spaces, we were hosted on a Twitter spaces and the person that was hosting us started off a little bit hesitant to like say, you know, associate impact with NFT projects because a lot of them aren't like she thought were half-baked versions of impact projects. And we had gone so far into thinking about every layer of like where we could insert impact. And we can dive into like um, 
like all of the ways in which we thought about, you know, how we were going to reduce our carbon emissions and how we were going to measure the impact that we were having. And um, so all of these things and why we chose the Ethereum blockchain in spite of conversations around energy consumption, like all of that was very thought out. We have our own uh, impact metric system. So people got excited about like, they felt purposeful because we were like, basically impact was embedded everywhere. And so I think, you know, people fell in love with the purpose of it. People fell, fell in love with the experimentation of the technology. And I think people fell in love with like the team dynamic and the team culture. And I think that that's been a really healthy thing to keep everyone together and motivated has been that like, we've genuinely become friends. Like I speak to, you know, one of our community managers and one of our artists basically every day, obviously Sean every day, but like, you know, I speak to Jesse and Camilla every day. And I speak to David every day. And so as friends and also as colleagues. So I think like ultimately the culture that you build allows you to scale. So yeah, they're doing it, you know, for the, for most of them are doing it for a revenue share. And that's great, like they're, that they're so passionate about the project. But I think the real moment for me that showed me like the degree of care that the team has put in, um, one of our team members had spent a couple of sleepless nights trying to figure something out for like the uh, math portion of it. And at one point we're having this like tech call to figure out how we're going through state change and how we're gonna figure out like, essentially we wanted state change not just to happen in game environment, but we wanted it to be automatically triggered in your wallet so that your wallet reflects the metamorphosis automatically as well. And it does, thanks to the tech team. Um, but we were, he had had like sleepless nights on this and we're on this like fun call and he asks a question and he says, I have a question. Um, would it be a conflict of interest if I tried to get on our allow list? Like, I want to like, buy one. Is that a conflict of interest? And I was like, sorry, you've just spent, I don't know how many nights sleeping. You're not even getting like properly paid to do this. And you're asking if you can purchase one. Um, like, obviously you're going to get one, but like, you're asking if you can purchase one. And he's like, yeah, I want like a couple, like I'm really, and I wouldn't resell it. Like I'm attached to it. And like the, when you have a team member that's put in like all of their hard work and their effort and their like sleep into this project and they still want to buy it, you know, that they just like have fallen completely in love with the project. Right. So I think this is a byproduct of like the team culture that you set and the fact that we never lost sight of like why we were making this project. It was an experiment for NFTs and it was an experiment with the degree of impact we could have. And I think the mix of those three components just really made it so that the team is incredibly committed to the project and like hop on any one of our Twitter spaces and you'll just find, you'll just hear it in their voices. Like it's very clear that they're passionate about the project. And I couldn't be more like grateful for every single one of them. And I couldn't be more honored that like, I get to be like, maybe like the, the most public face related to the project, but it is a tribute to like all of the individual elements they brought to the project that just made it beyond what Sean and I could have ever imagined it could be. Yeah, that's, to get that type of dedication and just, I, I that just like respect comes to my mind and just the enthusiasm around that, it just goes back to, you were so clear from the get of the impact, the design, the engagement that someone will have with this NFT and having the purpose behind it of like actually impacting the world. Um, it, it does seem it's like, how do you even start from there? But, you know, Lucy, it's been amazing to hear that journey. I want to briefly touch on Emerge though, before, before we conclude the, the, the podcast. So you've been nomadic the last four years. You've been building this company that's helped what for many fortune 500 companies, you know, tell me a little bit uh, about Emerge and, and how you've been able to, to build and scale that the last, you know, the last, what, five, six years? Um, it's been, it's been a wild ride. I think the company, um, again, like it's kind of, you'll notice maybe a trend in my career is really this idea that like, I don't really necessarily care what shape things have. Like it, I never know how they're going to turn out. I'm, I live and die by experimentation. Like I couldn't have predicted how the Eternals was going to turn out, came out even better than I thought it could. Um, and then, uh, same with, with Emerge, it was really like, I was asking myself questions again. Um, questions were like, I'd been working in the AI and neurotechnology sectors. I had deep dived into crypto and blockchain. And one of the bigger frustrations I had was like, essentially all of this work and early innovation was really at the time in my mind, because I was in Toronto as it was happening, was benefiting 
for you know very large scale companies only and it was uh only benefiting like people that could afford to play with it and lose right and so my question was like when you think about technology is there a way to create more technological justice in the world and it wasn't just about creating access to blockchain or access to ai or access to anything um like you know we've held that promise about the internet forever like you know we'll we'll connect you know people on this side and then eventually we'll get to the people on the other side and it's 2022 and some people still don't have access to the internet or even worse they think facebook is the internet because they have a deal where like facebook is free in their country and so they think that that's the whole of the internet right and we're we're 2022 and that's what's happening and i'm on an iphone you know 11 pro 12 pro 13 pro and someone's like on a flip phone or no phone at all right so the degree of inequity in not just the access of technology, but the pace at which you can access technology was something that deeply bothered me because it it like is a false narrative about inclusion in the technological sector. It isn't just about access, it's about pace of innovation. And so the Emerge was founded on this premise of like, can we equalize pace for everyone? So we became a, a design and development studio with that intention. So we take on problems mostly from whoever throws, a, th throws them at us, but essentially an organization will come to us and they'll say something like, you know, we want you to rethink our loyalty program to include more activism in it. Or, you know, I'm an artist that is deeply committed to this cause and I want to like, uh, you know, connect with my community about it and encourage them to also join advocacy on this cause. We've had projects where like a ministry wants us to map out a particular area of the world because there's no data on it. Uh, to create land titles for the first time for a particular area. Uh, we've had projects where we work directly with indigenous communities to strengthen um, like the transparency and uh, of their supply chain for a particular type of pro uh, product that might be controversial um, because of like associations with child labor or with, uh, you know, uh, non-organic material or things like that. So, uh, so we've done work there. And a lot of my work has also just historically focused on identity because I used to work before I was in tech uh, in the public sector in work that related to documentation of ID. So uh, currently, for example, I'm uh, producing a paper with the United Nations Development Program on the applicability of blockchain for civil uh, registration. So like your birth certificate, your passports and things like that. Um, but that's, you know, my work has gone with like uh gone from everything from like being in a very fancy office with a fortune 500 thinking hey can we connect your corporate social responsibility with your core product offering in a way that's much more interesting and more more connected as opposed to like these like little satellite projects that your corporate social responsibility department does um or like hey your company is like the like number one promise holder of like carbon neutrality in the aerospace industry right now like how do we make sure that like your auditability and traceability of those commitments are actually being followed so those are the types of questions we get as a company and then we have to design like how the technology is going to fit into that so we design solutions around that um and then we've done like self-motivated work where like uh to me one of the problems in the world that i just find completely unacceptable is uh is just the fact that people don't have ID and like the consequences of that and not being able to apply for jobs or go to school or uh, you know have healthcare benefits and and uh, access public services or worse you know be extra vulnerable to things like human trafficking that to me is a travesty and so a lot of my work is centered around issuing identity for people that are displaced or have not ever had or no longer have access to uh, recognized identity and so. A uh, fair bit of work has gone there. I've spent time at the border with undocumented immigrants at refugee uh, centers and things like that because it's really important to me. And I think that's where being nomadic comes in, which is that if the company was going to be the type of company that wanted to solve problems in really meaningful ways and impactful ways, we couldn't do it from a place of comfort. We had to be the type of company that was willing to experience and like to just like go get our hands dirty and figure out like, what are the invisible ways in which these problems manifest? And what are the indirect and direct benefits of like doing a, a technology solution in a particular way? And how are we being inclusive of who's building this technology? So the company is founded on an experimentational basis. We work only by referral at the moment. Uh, and it's kind of just like, we take on complex and interesting projects that we think can set a precedent for how our sector, like the blockchain space can look to address problems in the future uh, in that category. So we've done a lot of uh, 
fascinating work around data traceability, around data inclusion, around uh, you know identity. Um, and I'm super proud of the work, but it's definitely largely experimental and it's been the culture of the company from the get-go. So uh, it's a lab, very experimental. We, you know, the way we hire is ridiculous. Like I kind of just like scout people all around the world. And if I'm like interested in them and the way they view the world, then like there's definitely room for them um, regardless of their skill set. We'll figure out what that might be. Um, and uh, and then the projects that we work on, you know, we've never taken external funding. Like we don't really have to justify away why we choose a particular project. So really it's about, again, back to first principles, like what impact are we trying to have? What precedent could solving or making headway on this have? And like, where does the tech meet, like the distributed nature of the technology meet the sustainable impact component of what we're trying to do and how does that change behavior and economic incentive to be able to want or like the outcome of that whether it's a product a service like a, an app whatever it might be like we end up building doesn't matter because ultimately it's a tool that will respond to what impact are we trying to have where does distributed technology come into play and how did that change your behavior and your economic incentive to invest in it um and that's really how we measure what projects we're going to take and what we're not and that's something that i'm particularly proud of and it makes me feel like a little rebel that we never took the conventional path to building a company i i want to see like the the work of all those projects i mean there's yeah totally. the 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 impact that you've had and how you've built and scaled and the companies and projects that you work on it's just so impressive and it honestly, like honestly leaves me speechless it's like i i I, I just want to conclude this yet. Like if people are motivated, inspired, uh, want to either build on their own, build with you, have ideas, like how can they, how can they connect to you? What's the best way? Um, I'm like super accessible on LinkedIn. Um, and then, you know, my email, I'll give you like Lucia at emergetechlab.com. Like, why not? You know, uh, I'm I want to see more people build. I want to see more kinds of people, but like this space needs so much talent and so many people can bring that in. You don't have to be a developer. You don't have to be technical to be in this space. And if you are like, please come because we need more technical people. But if you're not like, we need better communicators. Like I know Emerge needs them. Like I, that's definitely been a shortcoming throughout my, you know, my experience as an entrepreneur has been like, how do we tell the Emerge really, you know, uh, so we need better communicators. We need, uh, you know, people that are creative and that are resourceful. We need people that understand how to scale a project. Like I'm telling this company is an experiment. Scaling it has been super hard. Like, how do you go to a client and be like, yeah, we work by referral. And also like, like whatever we've done before isn't applicable because we're not going to do it for you. We're going to do it in a totally different way for you because we want to set a new precedent now. Right. So uh, it's really something where like people with operations, team management, uh, skill sets like everybody's welcome in this sector it really needs a little bit of everything and so it's a very welcoming space I'm happy to you know support where I can especially like if you are um, a woman or if you are someone from an immigrant community then like please reach out to me I'm super happy to like um, you know introduce you to the space or where however I can help um, but we can't conclude until I actually tell you what the Eternals is <laughs> okay yes I guess we haven't talked about the Eternals we just jumped right into it okay the last question is that one. <laughs> okay. But, uh, Lucia, share, share with us about the Eternals. <laughs> yes. So uh, it is a 10,000 uh, NFT, unique NFT collection. It's going to be minted on Nifty Gateway. They've been extraordinary partners to us. Um, the collection is special in different ways. The first is that it is connected in real time to the rainforest. So your NFT will be reflecting what is going on at, uh, in the Amazon rainforest at any given point in time. That includes daylight. So if it's daytime, nighttime, morning sky, late afternoon sky, you'll get to experience the full changes of skylight. Um, it includes weather. So if it's raining in the rainforest, it will rain in your NFT plot. If it's uh, you know sunny, you'll you know see the warm sunshine. Um, and it also includes sound. And so whatever you're, if you turn the sound on, whatever you're listening to is actually what happens at that time in the rainforest. So you check it at 7 p.m. Amazon time. That's what's happening at 7 p.m. Amazon time. So it's connected in real time to the rainforest to really give you an immersive experience into what uh, you might experience if you were in the rainforest. It's artful, very beautiful art. I can't thank the art, just art team enough. Um, it's gamified. We have a meditative uh, game uh, that is super soothing and nurturing. Can't thank the gaming company Madbricks enough for that. 
Um, and then, you know, it's also an impact measurement tool because essentially it's uh, the more that you engage with the cause of rainforest protection, when you donate to rainforest partnership, when you play our game, when you participate in community events, you are contributing to the progression of your NFT and the NFT evolves and like flourishes and blossoms the more that you contribute to our ecosystem. So the more time you spend giving to rainforest uh, conservation and protection efforts, the more your NFT will reflect that it will blossom and the plants in it will grow and the trees in it will grow. Um, and with each new level of state change come new benefits. So for example, when you reach state three, which is the ultimate visual complexity of the NFT, um, you'll also have access to giveaways for ultra rares and those ultra rares come with special rights. So the first one that we've announced that I think is super fun is that the person that wins the first ultra rare giveaway will get the naming rights to a recently discovered frog in the Amazon rainforest. Like the official naming rights, you'll get, it'll be the name in like science textbooks, reference books, et cetera. So uh, it's a really cool perk. We've, you know, we've got a few other ultra rares up our sleeves, but that's the first one that we've announced. Um, and so the fun part about this is the work of rainforest protection is daily work. And we wanted the NFT to reflect that. So you have to engage and interact in order to get it to metamorphosize. But if you start neglecting it for too long a period of time, it also devolves back into its original state. Um, so you have to just continue to be part of our community if you don't, if you want to keep your NFT in state three, um, which we think is really special and just like pays tribute to the work that people actually protecting the rainforest are doing day in and day out. 55% of the minting profits are going to rainforest partnership for their continued support of rainforest protection efforts. Um, and then we have this really cool uh, secondary sale, 1% going to making the project carbon negative. Um, and so 1% of every time, you know, this NFT changes hands, will go into buying carbon credits, which means that not only will our project eventually be carbon negative, but depending on trade volume, um, and obviously, uh, what that 1% looks like, we are contributing to like offsetting the impact footprint of the entire metaverse. So we're super proud of that decision. Um, and yeah, so it's a super exciting collection. Please check it out on Twitter, on Discord. It's a great community, a great team. Um, and yeah, it's like super honored to have been here today to tell you about it. Yeah, I mean, Lucy, everything that you're doing, the Eternals, the future of all of these projects is just going to be, it's inspirational. And I hope people after listening to this, like feel motivated to help make impact and change. And I think what you're building is just truly fantastic. So it's been a pleasure having you on and excited to, you know, hear and talk to you in the future. Thanks. Likewise. And now. We'll meet somewhere warm though. No skiing, but no skiing. enjoy the weekend. Yeah, no <laughs> skiing, but enjoy your weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Thank you.